Hi, this is Tony Winyard. You are listening to episode three of Exceeding Expectations. My guest in this episode is Kevin Wiley, a photographer based in Scotland. There's definitely a lot of photographers can learn a lot from this episode, but not only photographers. Well, for a start, there's going to be many brides beating down his door to book him when they hear his, his mindset. It's, it's phenomenal. I, th- I feel that people from many other industries can, can learn a lot from the way he approaches things, the way he prepares things in advance. And there's, a, there's definitely a lesson in here for many of us in you know, they say preparation is everything and, and he really proves it with some of the stories that he gives. So I'll talk no longer and let's please welcome Kevin Wiley. Good afternoon, Kevin. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Tony. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. And it's uh, we haven't had the best of luck with technology so far, but I think I have a feeling this time it's going to be fine. It certainly sounds a lot clearer than earlier, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So let's let's uh, start from the beginning. So you've been a wedding photographer for a few years now, haven't you? Yeah, it's been six and a half years now since I went full time. And what was it that got you into it in the first place? Um, to be honest, I, I had no intention of photographing weddings. Um, I spent a few months out in Africa with with my regiment with the Scots Guards back in 1991, and. Uh, the, the scenery that I saw there, I mean, the, the sites that, you know, they'll, they'll go with me to the grave, Tony, they were, you know, incredible. Um, and unfortunately, I only had a small compact camera with me to record mm-hmm. that. Obviously, taking photographs wasn't a priority for us, but I made the promise that when I come home, I was going to buy myself a proper camera and uh, and learn to, to record the things that I saw as I travelled with the army uh, and come back home to a, a lovely tax rebate from the the HMRC, and went out the next day and blew the entire lot on a new camera. (laughs) And it just, you know, it went from there. It became, I I had a camera with me everywhere I went. Um, Spent an insane amount of money on film and books and magazines and reading things and trying things out and writing writing settings down. And and over the years, it just, for all my initial interest was landscapes and, you know, my travels. It just grew that, I found myself gravitating more towards photographing people uh, and enjoying Mm -hmm. the interaction with people and recording those things. And and it just got to the point after I left the forces, I I worked in health clubs for for quite a number of years. Um, And Mm -hmm. I loved it, but the the cameras were always there and it just always seemed that that it was was something that was within me to do. And ultimately Mm -hmm. my wife made the the kind of kick a couple of a few years ago and said, look, you know, you're really not happy. That you've you've got to give this a try. You know you've listened to people telling you that you'll never be any good and you'll never, you know, you'll never make money out of it. And you know just stick to doing what you're doing. She said, "You really, it's it's what makes you happy. It's when you've got a camera in your hand." She says, "So just go for it." So, you know, I was at a point where I'd left the fitness industry. I was working in retail, managing a shop sixty miles away from where I live. So I, I never saw my kids, uh, who were both very young at the time, and you know. We were at a point where I had a lot of wedding bookings coming in through friends and family referrals. And my, my eldest girl curled up to me. She would be about three or four, I think, at the time. And on a Sunday mm-hmm. night, she curled up and she said, Dad, um, why do you go to work when I'm sleeping and come back when I'm sleeping? Is it because I've been bad and you don't love me anymore? 
And, wow. and Tony, honestly, I, you know, my wife and I had been speaking about it, about the, the, the change for a wee while. And I just, like, mm. honestly, it felt like my heart had been ripped out. You know, as an adult, I knew I was, you know, I was spending my days off shooting or editing and stuff to try and, you know, provide a living for them. But m- my views were, if, if my daughter's perception is that, you know, she's done something wrong and that, that, that I don't love her, then I'm doing something wrong. So the next morning I gave my, mm. my boss six weeks notice and had heart attacks. So I thought, I now need to build a business in six weeks. Wow. And that was it. And, and it, it was tough, you know, it was, it was hard um, entering into a, a super saturated area of the market where, you know, mm. we, we you only need to go into Google and, and type in bad wedding photography or wedding photography disaster. And there are pages of this stuff, you know, you, there, are, there are so many horror stories out there with people not turning up or they turn up and the photographs are blurry or, you know, their heads are cut off or, you know, and it's 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 hard for brides to sort of sort the wheat from the chaff when, you know, I, I live in Ayrshire on the west coast of Scotland, and if you type in looking mm. for an Ayrshire wedding photographer, there are over four hundred people saying that that's what they do. You know, so, mm. and there are there's a huge range of prices. You know, everything from guys that are doing it from. <laughs> I saw somebody saying they start weddings for fifty nine pounds. You know, yeah, you know, right. all the way up to. You know the the top names that are charging ten, twenty thousand pounds for a day's wedding photography. So, how does someone decide that? Yeah, you're worth them trusting. So it, it mm. was a hard game to get into, um, but it's it's something that I'm hugely passionate about. It's a twenty four hour you know obsession. So mm. unfortunately, I'm a stubborn sod, you know. And you know, I'm, <laughs> if you put my back against the wall, then I'm coming out swinging. And I thought, no, do you know something? That is what I want to do. I'm not going to do, you know, weddings for £200 and, you know, be a busy fool. I want to do the best that I possibly can. I want to produce the best images that I possibly can. And thankfully, my wife, you know, my wife supported us when we, we, we set the business up. She was working as a manager in retail and she was like, you know, I can cover the bills. You build the business. You you build what you want, your, your dream. And that's how we went about it. Wow, that, that's that, I mean, and that is such a big thing because it's not that doesn't happen to everyone. No, it's 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 a huge leap of faith on her part. Um, she she saw yeah. a, a, an ability that I, I had always been told wasn't there, um, but it was it was something that was just mm. it's you know anyone that's creative, whether it's a musician, an artist, you know, a sculptor, or whatever, it's something that's just part of you, and to have someone. To be so selfless as she was, and I, I, I've said it so many times, you know, I've, I've been very lucky in the things that I've achieved in six and a half years and the people I've photographed and the countries I've saw through it. None of it would have happened had I not had the amazing wife that I've got who said, you know something, I will work, you know, I will work and I will pay the bills, you know, you you follow your dream. And that's, that's a very, very rare thing to happen. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. So, so you so you've been doing it for six and a half years, and so how did you kind of eventually? I, I'm presuming when you first started, you were doing, say, lower end weddings. I was, uh, you know, and as I said, I never wanted to get into wedding photography. I was, I, I sort of became the friend with a camera, um, that you mm. know, Uncle Bob, as a lot of people like to say, um, which is why I tend not to get down on Uncle Bob because Uncle Bob has a place. Um, mm. But I became the the friend, you know, Kev. You've got a good camera, and even you know, even as an amateur, 
I realised it wasn't just about having a good camera. Um, and when it was a, a friend's wedding, I would always have at least two cameras. I would have flashes, you know, two flashes, backup kit with me, just in case. So it, was, it wasn't just a case of turning up and making a couple of hundred quid. To me, it was a special day for a couple. It's a day that you cannot turn back time. You cannot say, oh, I'm sorry, but the battery's died or my my memory card's corrupted or something. That, that's not an excuse, even if it is a good friend. you know, yeah. it's, it's just non-negotiable. You've got to deliver the best that you can. And that's it's probably the, the, the Scots guards in me that came out that, you know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it 100%, even if it is just a, a favour to a friend. And, uh, and yeah, it, it, it's, it gets to the point where, okay, my friend's now getting married, so you become the guy that'll do it for a few hundred pounds. And um, it's when, when we made the move, when it was the jump to, you know, full time, do I want to keep doing weddings for, you know, a few hundred pounds and be out sort of four or five days a week, but never see my family? And then I was going to be back to square one. So yeah. for me, I looked at the market and what certainly from my experience um, of the wedding industry where I live in the, um, is the middle market's gone and it is very much, mm-hmm. you know, either cheapest chips or brides are wanting to pay money for a service, which is, you know, the, the top of the tree, the best that they possibly can. And at that area, they're looking to book a style rather than a price. And, yeah. you know, for me, that had much more appeal where I would rather say, you know, I'm, I'm going to do 30 weddings a year, absolute maximum. I'm not going above that. That will give me the living that we want. It will allow me the time with my family that I want. And it will allow me to put the, the time and effort into my work that shows brides my style, the vision that I've got in my, my head. Um and as I say, it was it was hard, you know, because you, you you're starting out and you're sitting there, you're skint, you know, you're putting every penny straight back into the business to get, you know, the best lenses that you can, and you know your Adobe subscriptions and you know all these kind of things. And it's very tempting when someone to says, "Oh well, you know, it's it's one hundred and fifty quid in your pocket." You know, you're not doing anything two weeks and Saturday, um, mm. and it's it's really really hard to walk away from that. You know, when you're sitting saying to yourself. Mm. You know, that's that's one hundred and fifty pounds. That that would you know that would actually you know contribute to the meals, you know, to the to the household bills for a change. And mm. you know, again, my wife was the backbone there, saying, you know, do you know, it's it's not what you want to do, and you've said it yourself. So I'm you know I'm I'm reminding you, if you do that wedding for one hundred and fifty pounds, the referrals you get for that will expect you to do them more for one hundred and fifty pounds. Exactly. You know, so it's, it's sticking to your guns and no, I'm I'm worth more than that. And mm. and it, it sort of came round. It, it just it kind of grew through word of mouth. Um, the wedding I did Saturday there was actually the, the 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 aunt of a bride that I photographed two years ago, and that's that's where the majority of the business comes from. And to me, that's such a huge compliment when you know a bride will turn around and say to not just a friend but a family member, you know, that's who you need to speak mm. to. You know, so it's yeah. Wow, so you, so you've carved out a niche for the kind of style that you do. So, how far do you travel for your weddings? Um, I'll travel anywhere in the world, anywhere at all. So far, the the furthest I've travelled, I've got I've got quite a few connections in the Black Sea coast of Bulgaria. So, I've, I've shot some weddings there. Um, I've photographed mm-hmm. one in France. I was across there for five days for a wedding on the Somme, um, and one of my brides and grooms who 
the, the groom is Italian, flew the family to uh, the Lazio area of Italy for for their, uh, their mm. wee girl's christening. And I was asked to go across and photograph the christening. So I've, I've been very, very lucky. You know, I've, I've photographed all across Europe. Um, I was in, in London in May this year. I've, I've, I've shot quite a few weddings across England. But, uh, I, I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I try to get away from saying I'm purely a wedding photographer because I photograph people, um, whether that's portraits mm. or, or whatever. And I was very fortunate enough to be asked to go to Buckingham Palace in May this year um, as photographer for a, a military event with Her Majesty the Queen. So cool. travel's quite cheap nowadays, so I will go anywhere that I'm needed. I mentioned to you that this, the idea behind this podcast is, is talking with people who kind of go out of their way to give something, to kind of over-deliver to their, to their customers. And, I, and you, I was mentioning this on a, on a DJ group, asking, look, does anyone know any people that really kind of do over-deliver to their customers? And you were recommended by a guy. So... What, what is it that you think you do to your customers to give them an, an experience they're not expecting? Do you know, I, I, I've got to thank Graham very much for that because it's a, it's a huge compliment. I, I read a quote years ago in a, in a book and it said, a man must think like a hero in order to be perceived as a merely average individual. Mm-hmm. And it's so true because if you think, if, you know, if you go shopping with your wife and you're, you're approaching the door of, you know, Sainsbury or whatever, and the guy in front of you just lets the door swing back onto you. Chances mm-hmm. are you're going to mutter a name under your breath. You know, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's an ignorant so and so, and he really isn't because that's not his job. You know, he's he's just a guy that's out shopping exactly the same as you. It's not his job to hold the door, so let it go. That guy takes ten seconds out of his day to hold that door and let you in. Yeah, oh, thanks very much, but you don't kind of you know offer to buy the guy a pint. But to me, mm-hmm. that guy has has gone over and above to just kind of make your day just that tiny wee bit better. And I, th- I always kind of look back in the fact that it is a day when you can't turn back time, and people deserve better. And I, I try not to get on my soapbox too much, Tony, but people people deserve better from their wedding photography than an awful lot of what's been delivered out there. You know, mm-hmm. people have a there's a formula. I've watched so many YouTube you know, videos and hear people talking about their formula and I go and I do this and I take that shot and I take that shot and this pose and that was and the sad fact is every couple's different. Every every wedding venue's different, the dress is different, the the groom's outfit's different. And I think I've got a I've got a duty to find the unusual, to find something different for that bride and groom that that venue may have, you know, 265 weddings booked there this year mm. it's my duty to make sure that there's 264 other brides looking saying why did my photographer not get a shot like that mm. you know and if that means finding you know climbing up a tree or wading into the sea because that's where the best angle is going to be then it's, I don't even think I go over and above I just do what needs to be done to get the shot right okay I had, I had a wedding in July up in Loch Lomond and mm. they've got a beautiful jetty jutting out into the middle of the loch and when the couple booked me I, I use a, an app that shows me throughout the day where the sun's going to be 
-hmm. Now, I knew that when the sun went down, this jetty was going to be, you know, the only way to get a sunset shot was with the jetty running sort of left to right in the frame, which meant I needed to be in the water. That was mm -hmm. that was never a, a negotiating point. That's where I had to be mm -hmm. to get the light. So, you know, when they booked me a year and a half before the wedding, I knew I was wading into the, into the loch that night to get the sunset. <laughs> Right. It, it's just to me, it's just part of doing the job. You know, to, you, uh, yes, I could have stood on on the the jetty with the sunset on the left and you know the dark sky on the right hand side. Anybody could do that. Absolutely, anybody mm. could do that. You know, I needed mm. to be the guy that had the balls to take his shoes and socks off and wade into the freezing cold water. And um, what was the reaction on the couple's face when you started to do that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> The, the that particular couple of at their um, at uh, their their best or the bride's best friend's wedding uh, a year and a half before uh, right. was one where I actually climbed a tree. Um, it was okay. like, I, I don't know the type of tree, but it's a there isn't a central trunk. It's, a, it's like a group of trunks growing up the way yeah. where you can actually get inside this tree. And the the couple had been childhood sweethearts, and when they were kids, this they were married up in the woods. And this was where they went to play as kids. And they said, you know, this tree's very special. We used to play hide-and-seek here when we were kids. Mm. And we we're thinking maybe get a photograph of the two of us kind of peeking out of the, you know, from the centre of the tree. Mm. And again, it's just this, well, you know, yes, I could do that, but anybody could do that. Let's make it different. Mm. And I looked at the tree and I thought, I can have you. <laughs> the, the wee boy in me come out, like, yeah, I can have this. Uh, so I went about 20 or 30 feet up the tree, and used a wide-angle lens shooting down with a delighting assistant outside moving my light around uh, to get the shot of this bride actually hidden within the tree. Mm -hmm. So when when I waded into Loch Lomond, um, the bride and groom were, were kind of pretty prepared for the sort of stuff that I do. I mean, you, you tried to tell me five minutes ago that you don't really over-deliver. Well, I, I would say that's pretty much over-delivering because as, there's not many photographers would do something like that. There aren't, but you know something there should be? There really should be. I've, you know, I married my wife thirteen years ago, and she's the best thing that ever happened to me. And you know, I look back mm. in my wedding day; it was special. It was ultimately, you know, one of the biggest days of my life. My my great aunt and uncle, my uncle was like a dad to me. And we lost him two years ago at the age of ninety. Now they were married for sixty three years, Tony. And wow. you know, it's hard to, you know. For any of us to quantify that, you think sixty-three years married. You know, most of them, you know, most of my friends haven't been alive for that length of time, let alone married for it. And um, mm. hanging up in their their living room wall now, sixty, you know, sixty-five and a half years down the line, is still that one wedding photograph that they had taken when they walked out the church. They went down to the local photographers in his studio. He stood the two of them there, and he took a photograph of the bride and groom. You know, the suit mm. my uncle wore, you know, it, it was probably been decades ago, same man's dress. But that one photograph still hangs on their living room wall. And when people mm. are gone, that's all that you've got left. You know, and yeah. I never lose sight of the fact that that is something that's entrusted to me, you know, to, to provide mm. those memories for their children, for their grandchildren. And there is not a catch chance in hell I would ever want any my bride or groom's kids looking gone. You skimped in your photographer, didn't you? You didn't, you know, your photographer a bad day. Or you, <laughs> do you know, sod that. I want mine to, you know, 
I, I want my brides to look like they've just stepped out of Vogue magazine. You know, I want my, I want my, my, mm. my, my bride's grandkids to go, do you know something, Grand? You were hot on your wedding day. You know, you're, you're 90 years old, you know, you're, you're, you're wrinkling, you've got white hair and false teeth. But 60 years ago, you were damned hot. You know, I've, I've got mm-hmm. a duty to do that to folk, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's a personal thing, you know, to, to be trusted to provide these mm. memories for people. So to me, it's just what you've got to do. I had a, a, a wedding in, in May and, um, it was a huge honour. It was, it was two girls, um, Gemma and Alison. And a few days after the wedding, um, Gemma contacted me to say, you know, I know you'll be going through the photographs and you'll be culling out the ones that don't work and stuff. If you've got any with my dad in them, we we put them aside. And I said, you know, you got to appreciate there are standards. And if, if I've got, you know, if there's maybe a wee bit of blur or if, if, if there's a bit of movement or, it's, you know, something doesn't quite work, then they're culled. And she says, Kevin... My dad passed mm. away on the way home from a wedding. She says, I don't care how good the photographs are. I would like them, please. And I, I, I sat on the phone, the two were in tears mm. because it's such a powerful thing that she, this lassie didn't even care if the photos were out of focus, if I'd cut off his head, you know, if they were at a funny angle. It didn't matter to her. She says, mm-hmm. you know, she says, I know you'll have loads of photographs of him. She says, but you'll never have enough. And when I'm providing that for brides and grooms and their families, it's far too important just to give them a half-hearted effort and say, yeah, okay, it was just another day at the office. I, I, I can't do it. The passion you have for it shines through. I mean, clearly you're, you're really passionate about it. And I'm, do you, when you're going to a new venue, do you recce the venue before and kind of find where you might be able to take some unusual shots? Oh, I'm an absolute nightmare, yeah. If, if it's within kind of tra- safe travelling distance, um, I will be there, you know, weeks before the wedding. Um, if it's further away and I don't have the, the opportunity, then again, embrace technology. We have, as I mentioned earlier on, I've got an app that will show me throughout the day where the sun's going to be at certain times of the day. You've got Google, you know, Google uh, Street View, where you can go on site and you can actually walk round about and walk round about the place and see, you know, to get a better feel for it. Um, mm. When I did the wedding in France, I would sit and Skype with the groom um, and he would say you know oh we're thinking about going here at three o'clock you know and I was able to say well you know months away from the wedding date well we could we could but why don't we come back there about seven o'clock well, why can't we go there at three o'clock because you, if you look across to the west of that those big trees they're going to cast a big shadow across there it might not be particularly good for us whereas if we come back the sun's moved around four you know four hours later so it's going to give us better light in that area. So mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm not able to get on site, then I'll I'll use everything at my, my disposal to wreck it as much mm-hmm. as I possibly can. Well, and that that completely lives with the whole thing about what this podcast is about is is doing the the extra, just going beyond the call to really give your customers something something different. When I when I joined the army, I could have joined any regiment. I joined the Scots Guards. I joined the Queen's personal troops, the best that I could possibly join because to me, if you're doing something, you do it 100% or you don't bother getting your arse out of bed that morning. You know, and it, it's the same with mm. photography. It, it is a huge, huge passion for me and when I, you know, when I'm taking the photographs, when I, you know, I cry at weddings. You know, I, I love doing what I do and, you know, the bride up dancing with her dad, at some point in time, I'm going to have to pay for two weddings. I'm going to be the dad up there dancing. 
you know, that dad deserves mm. the best photographs of him and his daughter. So it, to me, it's just doing my job. Do you know, I, I, I don't, I genuinely mm. handle, and I appreciate it, Tony, it's a huge, huge compliment. I don't think I do anything that a professional wedding photographer shouldn't be doing. I think the fact is that mm. I'll, the industry has accepted mediocrity. And it just, you know, yeah. we turn up, we take some snapshots, we put some crappy, you know, vintage filter on it or whatever it is and say, yeah, there you go, it's art. It's really no, it's unimaginative, it's not creative, it's bland, it's boring, it's the same as everybody else is doing. Get off your arses, work harder for mm. it, learn how to control lighting, learn a wee bit about posing couples, you know, you, you don't have to make them like, you know, catwalk mannequins. But learn how to interact with them and how that couple work together. You know, mm. get them out in a pre-wedding shoot, see mm. what works for them. You know, see whether they are very lovey-dovey or if it's, you know, like the couple we had on Saturday who just want to laugh all the way through. So you, you make the most of that. You learn how mm. to work with that and just deliver what they're supposed to get. You know, but as I say, it's, it, thank you very much. It just We just need more more guys delivering. Absolutely. What you'd like to, you know, any information you'd like to, to give for photographers, um, don't get hung up on gear. You know, I, I hear so many photographers talking about this camera and that camera and which one's better and which one's not, and your cameras are rubbish and mine's are better. There is not a bad camera on the market nowadays. You know, the big camera manufacturers, Nikon, mm. Canon, I'm a Fuji user, I jump for Canon to Fuji, Sony. There's none of them producing a bad camera or they would not be in business. There's none of them producing a really bad lens or they would not be in business. Mm-hmm. Learn to use lighting. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the biggest issue I see in the industry. That we don't know how to light people. We don't, you know, we, we use flash and we get scared by it. And it's really not that hard. Play with it, you know, practice it. Mm-hmm. Get, you know, if you're out walking your dogs, as I do, get a camera, get a flash in your pocket and go out and practice your damned art. Um, from a bride's point of view mm. please 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 get the best photographer you can possibly afford and I realise that everyone is on a budget but when I see someone saying mm. oh you know we, we skimped on the photographer because I wanted a chocolate fountain or we wanted the candy cart mm. because you know my, my friend has got a new digital camera at Christmas so he, he, he said he'd photograph the wedding for free you know, someone like your friend with the camera, be a guest, mm. invest the money in getting the best photography you possibly can. When you go on and you Google by the wedding photography or wedding mm. photography disasters, don't think it can't happen to you. Because speaking you know, from a personal point of view, I am the, one of the guys who gets the phone call on a Friday to say, the photographer hasn't shown at this venue, can you come along? You know, my, my photographer's phone mm. to say, he needs to go into his real job tomorrow so he can't photograph my wedding. So get get a professional, get someone whose mm. style you absolutely love. It's a day you cannot turn back time. Um, and I, I was sitting with a, a bridal shop owner a couple of days ago and she admitted that she went with a family friend because she was pressured into it. And her words were, if I could turn back time, I would stand my ground, tell my friends and family, no, I'm getting a professional to do it. Well, I mean, I've I've done hundreds of weddings, and so I've therefore seen hundreds of photographers. I couldn't couldn't agree with you more what you just said. I've seen photographers ranging from pretty poor to to pretty good, 
And um, yeah, it does make such a difference having a good photographer who knows what he's doing, has a, a good manner with the guests. It can make such a difference. Oh, very much so. It's, it's you know, you, when, you, when you look at your wedding photographer, we spend more time with the bride than anybody else. You know, the, mm. the, the flower people come and drop off the flowers, and I'm not criticising other suppliers. They're, they're, you know, you need them, um, mm. but they will come along. They'll drop things off. The cakes there, you know. We're there when you're still, you know, get your hair and curlers in the morning, and your makeup's just starting to be applied. We're there when you're dancing the night away. Meet mm. up with your photographer, your intended photographer, because that needs to be someone that you can quite happily spend that length of time in your big wedding day with that you can trust to be there to not be too intrusive, but to take control when you need them to um, and to look after you because ultimately it's a bride's day, you know, and, and you mm. need someone that's going to be there with you in mind. You know, and that needs mm. to be someone that you can gel with for the whole of that day. Kevin, I wish you continued success and with the passion you have for it, I'm sure that that success is going to continue. Thank you very much. And, um, I really appreciate it. And again, if I can thank um, Graham for the for the, the compliment I suggest my name, I, I, it's a massive, massive compliment. Thank you very, very much. No problem at all. And I well, look forward to maybe meeting you one day. Fingers crossed, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Take care, Tony. Bye. Bye-bye. Next week in episode four of Exceeding Expectations, we take a trip over to Milwaukee where we meet Greg Sadler, president and co-founder of Reason IO. He does a lot of content production, public speaking, philosophical counselling. He's the editor of Stoicism Today and he, he tries to make philosophy more accessible for the common man, tries to make it a lot less pretentious. He has hundreds of hours, probably thousands of hours of videos on YouTube um, of various different philosophers and philosophy schools of philosophy. So if that's something that's of interest to you, yeah, do check him out. And he does a lot of things for his students that goes way beyond what most university professors typically do for their students. And he tries to make things much easier for his students to understand what he's putting across, but also for them to retain that information. And so you'll hear a lot more about Greg in next week's episode of Exceeding Expectations. Thank you for listening. I'd love you to subscribe. And if you could leave a review on iTunes, that would certainly exceed my expectations. I'll see you very soon. Thank you.